Hello, this is Manny Ramos, your host of Rise Up, real issues and stories of every one of us podcasts. First, let me talk about who we are. I'm Manny Ramos, a board member of PNAA, a past president of the Philippine Nurses Association of Central Florida, and I'm a professor of nursing at Valencia College here in Orlando. I'm also an adjunct faculty at William Patterson University. We've been today's my co-host, Mindy Ofiana. Mindy? Thank you, Manny. Welcome, everyone. I'm Mindy Ofiana, Legislative Committee Chair for PNAA, and the corresponding secretary for PNAA Foundation, and a past president of PNA Southern California, and currently an adjunct professor at the Charles R. Drew University Department of Medicine and Sciences. Manny? Thank you, Mindy. Our guest tonight is our Philippine Nurses Association of America president, Dr. Mary Joy Garcia Dia. Mary Joy currently works as the Program Director for Nursing Informatics in the Information Technology Department and the Center for Professional Nursing Practice at New York Presbyterian Hospital. Mary Joy has nursing experiences in critical care and medical surgical specialties. She led multiple clinical systems and electronic health record installations in various healthcare systems across the enterprise as Director of Clinical Systems. In addition to electronic medical record implementation, Mary Joy has overseen remote patient monitoring platforms, workflow automation, clinical alarm integration with mobile devices. Dr. Garcia Diaz's research interests in mobile technology and passion for raising awareness about nursing informatics led her to author and published a book, Project Management in Nursing Informatics. Mary Joy serves on the Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Steering Committee for the Future of Nursing Campaign for Action, a joint initiative of the AARP and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. She also serves as a member of the American Nurses Association's National Commission on Addressing Racism in Nursing. As a past member of the National Advisory Council on Research for Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Health, Mary Joy raises educational awareness in addressing the underrepresentation of minority health through grants and community-based participatory research. Her community engagement led her fellowship at the New York Academy of Medicine and the American Academy of Nursing. She currently serves as a board at the New York State Health Information Management System Society, chairing the Advocacy Committee. Recently, Mary Joy joined the Center for Nursing at the foundation of NYS Nurses Inc. as a board member. Dr. Mary Joy Garcia Dia is an inaugural member of the Calderon Nurse Executive Fellowship Cohort launched on March 2021 through the Marian K. Shaughnessy Nurse Leadership Academy at Francis Payne Bolton School of Nursing at Case Western Reserve University. Dr. Garcia Dia's theme as the 21st PNAA President for 2020 to 2022 promotes the importance of resilience and empowerment through the power of storytelling. May Joy's theme of BNAA leadership is spark stories of people, achievement, resilience, and kindness. Good evening and welcome to Rise Up, Mary Joy. Thank you so much, Manny. Oh my gosh, that was such a long introduction. I should have shortened it. <laughs> but that's all of you and much more, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So how are you, MJ? Well, um, I've been super busy, obviously, um, a lot of things have been happening, uh, but at the same time, I try to um, focus on what are the priorities for our organization, and um, I know there's more that needs to be done, uh, but I'm happy that um, we are almost there at the finish line. <laughs> uh, so I'm super excited. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's about what? Less than five months before you turn over that torch of leadership at PNAA. How are you feeling? Yes. Yes. And it has been a fulfilling, um, mm. almost like fulfilling 18 months uh -huh. um, of my term. Um, not only did I come in at the time where we had the most mm. um, crisis uh, globally, right. Uh, but at the same time, we were able to adapt quickly. Mm -hmm. Our organization, our chapter leaders, our members 
were very supportive and I think I could not have done um, it without everyone's help and support. Right. Mm. I mean, that journey um, going into the, to the current is uh, a lot of us know about it. But let me go back to where you came from, where you've been. How did you come here and why did you choose nursing? Did somebody uh, motivate you to do it? You know, that those questions that we want to know about you. Yes. So um, when I was growing up, I know that I was going to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen my aunt work in a hospital and there was a time where I was um, visiting her and uh, this was in Cavite City. So I'm originally from Negros Occidental and I was high school at the time. So every year during summertime, we would go to Manila. Mm -hmm. That's our summer break. And um, she said to me, do you want to see how a baby is born? Oh. So I was super excited, of course, but it was also shocking. <laughs> yeah. And I said to myself, oh my gosh, this, I don't know if I can do this, but it, it, it was such a great um, discovery and experience to see how a baby is delivered. So I know for sure that I want to be a nurse. And um, I enrolled at... Um, LaSalle College and um, I started my journey there. Uh, we have a great uh, group. Uh, there were probably around 32, 34 of us. Hmm. Um, it's a very small group, right? Prior to um, LaSalle University having their own college of nursing, this was actually a school of nursing that was part of uh, the government mm -hmm. before. Because if you recall at that time, governments were the ones that were facilitating the school of nursing such as like for example UP mm -hmm. right they have their uh, own university so similarly in Negros Occidental they have the Corazon Luxin Montelibano Memorial Hospital and when the government closed their school of nursing that's where um, colleges private colleges um, adopted the school of nursing to be part of their program so uh, technically, we were the first batch that graduated from the School of Nursing of LaSalle University. But if you talk to Susan Gador, who is our PNA, past PNA New York president, who was my senior, she would claim it's their batch. <laughs> Only because at that time, they were a graduate nurse, right? So we're not, they were not really fully a bachelor of science in nursing. So they need those additional um, courses uh -huh. and credits in order for them to graduate as a bachelor. Mm -hmm. So not I to see. give out your age, Mary Joy, but this was about when? 1980s? I, 1981. Oh. I was the youngest in my class. Uh -huh. So um, I was actually, because when I started in my elementary years, uh -huh. I started uh, at the age of five mm. huh? for grade oh, wow. one. Grade wow. That's so kindergarten for me. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always like the youngest in my class, right? Uh -huh. So when I started my, uh, my um, first year in college, I was only 16. And in, it has its advantages because you're able to finish, right? But the disadvantage is that when I graduated, I was only 19. So even though I passed the board exam, because the um, legal age to practice nursing in the Philippines is 21 years old, then I had to wait for two years before I could actually work as a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. So what I did is um, I volunteered in a dermatology clinic and um, I was able to learn the ropes of managing a clinic at the time. And um, when I was ready to work professionally, then I um, was recruited by um, the Fort San Felipe Naval Station Hospital. Mm. So I was a civilian staff oh. nurse. And what's great about that is I was exposed to the, a military hospital. Mm -hmm. And being that I come from a military family, my goal is focused on becoming a military nurse. Mm -hmm. So I actually uh, applied for it and I have a serial number. I was going to be called to active uh -huh. duty. Huh? But at the same time, I took the CGFNS and I passed the CGFNS. <laughs> 
Oh, I like to click on whether should I go and follow my dream or should I stay here and also follow my other dream, right? But I was only 22 at the time, so I said to myself, well, um, I can still do both. I can go first in the United States, and then if if I don't feel like I'm not really pursuing what I wanted to do, I can always go back to the Philippines. So that's what I did. Because of course, you know how your classmates went ahead of you and they were super excited and they're telling you, come, what are you waiting for? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what happened. And at that time, they were recruiting tons of nurses. Because between 1985 to um, 1990, right, there was the AIDS crisis epidemic in the United States. that's right. And there were a lot of nurses quitting because similar to what was what was happening with way back then, they're not sure what the treatment mm-hmm. is, right? And the risk oh, of exposure right. right. uh, in terms of um, contracting yeah. AIDS was, was really very scary. Yeah, right. So um, they were recruiting a lot of nurses in the Philippines. So I remember going to the hotel um, in mm-hmm. Manila. There's like tons of recruiters. And I know, I know immediately where I wanted to go. Mm. So um, when the recruiter asked me, so young lady, where do you want to work? I said, I want to work in Bellevue oh, Hospital. Because oh. oh. that's where my best friends work, right? They keep on telling us, you have to go to Bellevue. <laughs> so we already know where we have to go. And she said, it's a perfect destination. It's the, it's in the heart of the city. You're close to Broadway, oh. and she showed me all the nice things about New York. Ah. <laughs> so, you New York is your uh, first state from the Philippines. You went to New York. Yes. Oh, I see. Never left New York. <laughs> never wow. left. New York. Never left New York. Yes. I see. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask you how did you migrate to the United States, but since you already answered it, I have another question. I know it's five months before you're going to uh, turn over your presidency. During your term, did you have any challenges that you have experienced uh, leading our organization? I think stepping into a huge responsibility of being a president is uh, a challenge uh, for anybody else. But I know... um, where my focus is even prior to my term um as, as you know i have i have been part of pnaa since 2006 um where i really became active at the national level but prior to that i was already a member of our local chapter in 1992 mm. and um of course i was not very active each time uh, our supervisor in Cabrini Hospital, mm-hmm. who I was doing for mm-hmm. Dima at the time, mm-hmm. in Cabrini, she would push the envelope and said, Joy Alina, no application for Ilongo. So I would say, okay, Manai, like Manai is Manang, right? Okay, Manai, I'll fill it out. So, you know, I have been doing my due diligence in being part of an organization, right? But I feel like I was just a membership by paper. Um, the opportunity came in 2002 um, during the induction of uh, Dr. Ray Rivera. It just so happened that his best friend and classmate from UERM, Eugene Ragat, uh, bless his soul, he recently passed mm-hmm. away. Um, he asked me to help him set up the table arrangement and we have everything in Excel. And um, both Eugene and I were classmates in nursing informatics from NYU. Ah. So I helped him and we managed everything. And then I said to myself, what is this organization about, right? Because I I have been a member, but I was not really active. So I signed up for the national convention because it was very attractive. It was in Hawaii. Ah. And I always wanted to go to Hawaii. I see all this volcano eruption in National <laughs> Geographic. And I said, I want to go to that <laughs> island one day. So when I had the opportunity, I said, I'm going to go to Hawaii then because the National Convention will be there. And lo and behold, I was just stepping into the elevator upon my arrival, right, in mm-hmm. the Sheraton Hotel. 
and Dr. Ray Rivera says, Oh, Mary Jo, Mary Jo is here. We need to have your help. We need your help. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the first three days toiling <laughs> and sorting the registration for their um, um, conference, uh-huh. right? Um, I have to help the local chapter rearrange all the um, the data in Excel so we could filter it quickly and then we can um, create a, a good process for their registration. And I said to Ray, Ray, I really wanted to come here for that <laughs> volcano, right? On this day, I have to be off. I'm going to take the plane going to the island. I'm not going to be attending this event. <laughs> But what really um, um, motivated me at the time was the powerhouse of leaders. That's where I saw uh, Manang Darling Borromeo. I saw Dr. Gloria Briones because they started this um, leadership institute, right? So they were already out there. They were like speaking. And I said to myself, oh my God, these are like really intelligent, smart women. In PNA, I want to be like them. Mm. So that's when I started to become more involved. I ran for um, a secretary in our local chapter. Then ultimately, I ran for the president-elect of PNA New York. Uh, at the same time, May Mayor asked me, I want you to be the national secretary. <laughs> so I was wearing a double hat uh-huh. as the PNA New York president. And then the national secretary from 2006 to 2008, right? So I see all these leaders. Um, I met all of them. And that's when um, we started to make the meetings more streamlined, right? Um, I, made, I, I created PowerPoints. This way it's easier. We tried to eliminate paper, right? And it's a great transition for myself to uh, Joy Duarte, who became the secretary for uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Leo Gerardo from 2008 to 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for me, I became the Human Rights Committee Chair. And um, I continued to support PNAA during Dr. Ray Rivera's term. Um, because one of the the assistant secretary, uh, bless her soul, she passed away. So um, Bernie Bacalot was the secretary at the time. So I became the assistant secretary uh, towards the um, later term mm. from 2011 to 2012. Mm. And then that's how I met my mentor, Dr. Joyce Fitzpatrick, mm. because at the time we were preparing for this international conference in um, the Philippines. And unfortunately, um, Ray cannot go home. I think he had a personal emergency. So he asked me if I can be the personal concierge of uh, Dr. Joyce Fitzpatrick when she arrived in the Philippines. And I said, sure, no problem, I'll take care of her. And then I was thinking, well, we're already in the Philippines. And then she'll be staying for probably three to four or five days. Why not bring her to my province ah. and we'll do the balik tour there? Ah. So I contacted my dean and they were kind enough. Um, dean uh, uh, doc, uh, uh, De La Sorna and they were kind enough, enough to shoulder uh, travel accommodations. So um, we were able to bring um, Dr. Joyce Fitzpatrick to my alma mater school, and then from there she traveled to Silliman University uh, through the generosity of uh, then um, uh, Mrs. Janssen, who who is the um, uh, mother-in-law of Pia Janssen, who happens to be the daughter of uh, Dr. Marie Ortiz. So um, we were able to um, have that Balikturo program started um, during the term of, I think, Susan Gador at I that see. time. And uh, I said to uh, uh, Ray, I spoke to Joyce, and um, this is what I was thinking. I wanted to take my doctorate in nursing practice, and she said, yes, you can do it. 
And um, I said to her, well, I'm in nursing informatics. I don't really see a program that would match what I wanted to do. I know there are a PhD in nursing informatics, but it will take me more years. And she said, well, what have you considered doing the DNP in leadership, mm -hmm. which H Western Reserve offers, right? So I, I, uh, I think that was more in my pathway compared to the standard pathway of uh, being a doctorate as a nurse practitioner. So that's what I did. And uh, I have to put a pause on my engagement with PNAA mm -hmm. from 2014 to 20, no, 2012 to 2015 because I enrolled in uh -huh. that program because I know I need to focus only mm -hmm. on one thing. And um, during Dr. Leticia Hermosa's term, she requested if I can be her national secretary. So um, I was already finishing my DNP at the time. So I said to her, sure, I can do it now. I think I have more um, uh, uh, time to help. And that's what happened. We actually went to Boston to do mm. the brainstorming. You know how we usually do strategic yeah. planning meeting. And, and, and I said to myself, maybe I can do this. So after serving um, Dr. Leticia Hermosa from 2014 to 2016, I ran for the regional vice president in 2016 to 2018. And then I ran for the president-elect in 2018 to 2020. And so I know I have prepared myself um, with that mental exercise, right? <laughs> That's going to be the president of PNAA, but um, I wasn't sure what my theme would be because I know through the years each president have their mantra. And I was looking at what 2020 will be and I know that it was going to be the year of the nurse. And that's where I, I, I came to know about the power of storytelling, uh, narrative nursing, and that's also at the time I was exposed to um, TEDMED because I became a scholar at uh -huh. TEDMED. So I was able to see the uh, ideas in, in trying to facilitate this type of um, storytelling. And I said, I would love to incorporate that in our program and really highlighting your own story, uh, sharing how you became about, what are the um, things that you're passionate about. So when I was brainstorming mm -hmm. um, with um, my husband, because he's a marketing and a graphic designer he said what are you thinking what are you what, what what are you passionate about so he said why don't you write all the things that you have in your mind so that's where i i coined the word spark mm. and i said this is it it's the stories of people achievement resilience and kindness and i didn't mm -hmm. even know that there's going to be the pandemic i was all geared up preparing for the year 2020, celebrating our achievements, celebrating how rich the history of the nursing profession. And I was already trying to come up with um, programs where we could have dyads of mothers and daughters who are nurses. I was looking at it from a multi-generational family that could be part of our leadership institute. And of course, I wanted to incorporate how resilient Filipino nurses are uh, because I did that study in 2017 and it does show that uh, our culture is very resilient but I also feel that we don't often tell a lot of our accomplishments and um, I think it's also cultural because we feel and I, I know for, for, for a fact even for myself that you want to be humble, mm -hmm. right? You you don't really want to um, lift your own chair. You'd rather let someone talk about you and, you know, identify that, oh, yeah, she's a good person. Um, she accomplished this uh, much. But I do notice that in other culture, it's all about me. Like, I did this in 2018. I was able to do this. So I said to myself, why not? Why can't we do that too? So that's why that achievement, right? That's where I was coming from. So when the pandemic happened, my mind switched and I said to myself, we can still use Spark because that's really uh, the highlight of it. But at the same time, I see the, um, 
anxiety, I see the frustrations, I hear the uh, the uh, sorrow of a lot of our nurses, and I felt it myself when I knew some of my uh, co-workers who I used to work at Bellevue um, getting sick, uh, and also uh, two of my friends passed away. So I know that we have to do something, and um, that's when... Uh, I launched the Heal Our Nurses campaign. Um, and I think that really carried through in terms of integrating um, that campaign with a spark story. So it's, I know that I could rely on a lot of people. Uh, I think that's what our Bionian spirit is all about. Uh, we try to lift each other up. And if someone fails to, um, uh, you know, continue, another person will come forward and pick up the pieces. So I have seen that um, during my term. And I've seen that too, even from prior administrations. So uh, I am thankful that our organization have matured to that level where we could just easily leave us, right? And a lot of us did that. Uh, we have so many challenges, not only supporting our nurses, but also we were not sure what our uh, operations will be. We were able to adapt the virtual um, induction, and um, a lot of us stepped forward. Dino helped out. Of course, Carol um, is already familiar with Zoom, and, and many volunteers came together. So despite the challenges on my first day being inducted as the president, um, I, 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 I was so hopeful and I was positive that we can do so this So Mary together. Joy, uh, spark, stories of people, achievement, resilience, and kindness. So in the last 18 months, if I, if I would ask you and try to reflect on those, uh, these past 18 months, what comes to mind uh, as far as highlights or something that spark uh, that that uh, speaks of the spark in in this uh, in in your presidency. I think what's 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 really significant is how mm -hmm. other organizations reach out to us. Um, when I launched the Healer Nurses campaign. Uh, there was this group of Filipinos from Google who reached out and emailed us asking how can we help. And we don't know them. Wow. They were strangers. Catherine uh, Sineza Choi, I reached out to her. And um, she was able to help us along, highlight our stories. Um, also, the Asian Pacific Islander American Health Forum. Um, I've worked with them in the past when I was chair of Kalasugan Coalition, and um, they know um, the um, connections and networks um, that we have with other Filipino community organizations, and we were the preferred partner for the Project mm -hmm. First Line, right? I know Project First Line is a huge project mm -hmm. by CDC, and other bigger organizations are already part of it. But for APIHF to reach out specifically for PNAA, that speaks volumes on who we can rely and partner with in moving forward our own community. Um, at the same time, I also am fortunate um, to have met so many people throughout this journey. For example, Elizabeth Grace, yeah. who is part of the yeah. Justly Project. That was just a email from her. And I wasn't even sure if it's a, uh, um, a phishing email or a spam email. I always put my informatics <laughs> before I respond to any email. And I was just so fortunate that I was able to talk to her and her parents, and that's where we were able to connect all these um, stories together through the Justly Project and making that part of the mm -hmm. Archives Committee. 
um, the strength of our committee chairs like you, Manny, um, you know, leading us through with the leadership development program, um, despite the challenges that you have yeah. um, during the peak of the pandemic, right? And then the second year, we were still able to uh, continue that program, knowing that people's priorities have shifted, but we never lost focus. You didn't drop the ball, but at the same time, you even uh, elevated the quality of the ILDP by offering those master workshop classes, right, that people really appreciated. And of course, the executive board, right, from our regional vice presidents, uh, our board members. But one thing that I can always um, personally that really sparked is the um, friendship that I developed more uh, in terms of creating meaningful relationships, particularly with uh, everyone. Uh, for example, Carmina, when I asked her to be my executive director, it's because I remember our conversation in Hawaii. She ran for president at the time, and there were three of them, and she didn't make it, right? So I, I, at the time, I asked her, so Carmina, are you going to run again next year? And she said, well, maybe I'm just going to take a break. If ever I'm going to consider uh, serving PNAA, <laughs> maybe in an executive director <laughs> position. So that really stuck in my mind. So when I visited um, PNAA Virginia in, in 2016 or 2017, I think, as regional vice president, um, she hosted us in her home, and um, I said to her, Carmina, do you remember our conversation? She couldn't remember it anymore. Because I said to her, I'm, I plan to run for the presidency. If in case I win, would you consider being my executive director? And he said, what is this? What is the timeline? <laughs> I said, no, it's 2020, if in case I win. And she said, well, I'll be retired by that time. So, yes, maybe I will consider. Let's talk about it when you get there. <laughs> oh, God. So, you know, um, people like her who, even after retirement, continue to do work for PNAA, those are like the yeah. smart stories, right? Because you can have that option to catch up with family, um, make up for lost time and enjoy your uh, retirement, especially during the pandemic, like, like who, who would want to be uh, more stressed? But she yeah. stepped up to the plate, and it's, it's just incredible how we have accomplished so much. And of course, yes. Tita Nancy Hoff, PMAA mm -hmm. Foundation President, like, we, we have worked so well collaboratively bringing over probably a lot yes. of money for the grant. <laughs> and we, we never had any issues, never had any issues. Um, so I think a lot of spark stories and also despite the distance, right? Because it's always difficult. Mm -hmm. It's not like when you're doing the regular induction mm -hmm. that you get to know the uh, chapter leaders, the members, because typically, uh, the following day, you would have your greet, uh, meet yeah. and greet, and you get to hang out with them. You get to uh, understand uh, what are their challenges, what are their barriers. <laughs> After a virtual induction, you say, hi, bye-bye, goodbye, right? But I still see their engagement uh, in social media, in Facebook. And they would reach out to me. I would cheer them on. And, and, and I think that's, that's where social media has a positive impact as well, right? Despite all this um, misinformation happening, if we use it in a good way and how it is intended and to be a trusted source of information, I think it's very powerful. And I, that's yeah. also another spark story and a spark realization for me. And I would want to uh, mm -hmm. call out all our informatics or even data analyst uh, um, specialists, right, to 
look at how we can influence uh, social media in trying to promote each other mm-hmm. in a positive way. You know, as I'm listening to you, I, I remember the three V's of PNAA, the visibility, vitality, and it looks like you have put that all together as uh, uh, in your during your term, the collaboration with PNAAF, and it's really uh, a need that needs to happen and look at the, the outcomes that you have during your term. As I'm listening, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are very young kids out there wanting to lead PNA, or not young kids, but young nurses who's members of PNA, PNA and we may want to lead the, uh, our organization. What do you think you would advise to them uh, moving forward as you turn over? What advice would you give them? I think the, um, one thing that uh, an individual really needs to understand is what is your passion? What's your why? Why do you want to do this? What motivates you? And will you be able to um, bring that passion and vision so you can move that organization to the next level? Um, find a good mentor um, it's always good to have a sounding board um, especially when you are in 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 some situation where um, you could have some um, conflicting information this is where you need to look at who your uh, advisors right who can mentor you and um, it's important to get a coach because um, that coach is there to help you be successful and that coach doesn't have any filter that person will really help you see your flaws see your strengths and uh, help you do your own self-reflection and um, always have fun at the end of the day <laughs> um, this is a volunteer organization right and um, if you don't find um, happiness surrounded by people that work with you then maybe that's not the right thing for you right because that's yes. what fuels your passion when you're, you're you're happy with what you do and you see that you're able to contribute positively and you know that you fuel each other's energy and you could do more uh, for the organization, I think that's what makes it fun. So, Mary Joy, our PNAA has grown its membership exponentially. However, as we work to sustain this organization, increasing and uh, maintaining that membership engagement is always part of our agenda. What are your thoughts about this? I had this conversation with Susan Custer. I really remember this because um, you know how we always try to challenge each other and then reward chapters that have the most membership. In fact, if we compare our membership fee <laughs> with other true. professional that's organizations, mm-hmm. ours yeah. is a bargain, right? Because not only um, do you pay, do you get um, benefits with the professional education, which is, by the way, quality, right? Because of the caliber of speakers that we're able to access and also uh, deliver. But at the same time, we, when when this membership fee is um, calculated, 20%, I think, is given back to the chapter at the end of the year. So technically, your 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 membership fee benefits not only PNAA but it's also giving back to the chapter. And I think we need to have a different mindset in terms of the engagement portion because it's a two-way process. And um, we love to have high numbers because obviously that matters when we try to compare ourselves with other organizations and if you have leverage 
in terms of lobbying and all that. But at the same time, I also wanted to focus on quality. So this is where Susan Castro and I were, were, were kind of like, you know, um, doing that uh, pro and con. She's on quantity, and I said to Susan, I'm on quality. So maybe there has to be some sort of like um, an overarching goal here, right? Because once you see quality goes up, you don't need to keep on promoting PNAA. You're just going to be a magnet for those other nurses. It's almost like having that mm-hmm. magnet hospital, right? That's where you want to be, you're satisfied, you're happy. So similarly, if we make our members happy, mm-hmm. they will stick with it. And how, how do we make them happy? I think that's, that's something that the local chapter needs to look into because we have all these programs at the national level. How is this information being trickled down to the local chapter? So this way we work in synergy versus competing with each other. And this is one thing that I have actually uh, coordinated with our communications and marketing. This way, people can see what are the the, um, activities happening in different regions, right? Because with all the access that we have as a result of virtual engagement, then we've crossed the boundaries we have expanded access to all our members and that's where the network really happens right that's where you're able to get to know a member in the western region like when i went to um pna oregon washington for the western region i met cassia rubio and we continue to become friends right like i would never know that she has done all this work in the community she is a terrific person. So I think that's where the engagement needs to happen, right? And this is where, Manny, if you if you notice, when we do our executive board meeting, we try yes. to invite someone outside of the executive yes. board from the local chapter to share their spark story. So I hope that this type of uh, engagement is also being done at the local level. And I hope that we will consider mentoring Mm -hmm. our nursing students um, because that's where we can create a pipeline of leaders and we are already the role models Mm -hmm. for these young nurses it's really a matter of matching and mentoring uh, our nurses. so mj what's the future for you (laughs) what is it after pnaa what's gonna happen to you now I'm the kind of person that always uh, reinvent myself. Um, and that's why I love my specialty, nursing informatics, because mm-hmm. it's constantly mm-hmm. evolving and um, you never know what's going to be the next next innovation, next technology. Um, I am so involved in other organizations, for example, the Health Information Management Systems Society, um, and also, um, giving back here at the Center uh, for Nursing Foundation of the New York State uh, in trying to um, be more involved on research Mm -hmm. and oral history. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this way, our footprint as Mm -hmm. um, immigrant nurses and um, our role in helping um, during, not only during the pandemic, but throughout Mm -hmm. the healthcare history can be captured here in New York State. And especially that PNA New York, right, is the oldest chapter that's been established oh, since 1929. I didn't know that. <laughs> and of course, I have oh. heard, yeah, PNA New York was wow. established in 1929. So we're actually turning a, a century wow. in the coming years. I wish I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> So that will be seven years from now. Seven years from now. I hope I'm still healthy and able to celebrate that 100 years oh, wow. of BNA New York. And and I think that's 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 really what I wanted to continue in terms of um, highlighting the awareness of our rich history. Like not not all schools teach mm-hmm. history of nursing, right? 
and it, it doesn't include how other internationally educated nurses has been part of the healthcare history here mm -hmm. in the American system. And I am so glad to have met another Spark story, oh, yeah. Ren Nafokau, who is a PhD student Virginia. in the University of Virginia, whose passion mm -hmm. for all our oral history has highlighted right why there are so many Filipinos here in the United States. So um, I think um, with, with this work and also my engagement with the American Nurses Association as a member, of the National Commission to Address Racism in Nursing. Um, my work is going to continue, um, you know, beyond um, PNAA. Um, we, we, we need to work with other organizations in promoting who we are, our culture. And it's so funny that you said <laughs> that because last night I went to watch oh. the live show of Johoy. <laughs> Here in New Jersey Presidential Center, and what struck me about it—he is great. He is—he's um, really good in engaging with the audience. Um, of course, you know he—he um, he tells yeah. jokes about his mother, yeah. which a lot of us can relate <laughs> growing up in the Philippines. But at the same time, one story that struck uh, out is really mm. his own struggle in uh, making a name for himself and identifying mm -hmm. himself as a Filipino. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we need to work together as a community um, in terms of being proud of who we are, regardless of our accent, regardless of our color. We all have the same education uh, as anybody else. And uh, we work so hard in defining who we so, are. So, Mary Joy, as we look towards the future of PNAA, I believe that it's also important that we look back and reflect uh, about us, the PNAA. And as we grow and move forward, can you reflect on the culture of PNAA? In your view, how has PNAA evolved in how does this impact the younger generation of Filipino nurses here in the USA, whom we are banking on to lead us in the future? Absolutely, and that's a great question. Um, if we listen to the oral history of our advisory council, how PNAA came about, they have a purpose. They wanted to have a united voice. They wanted to um, have a positive professional image of our nurses, Filipino American nurses, because of those cases that um, put a prejudice on Asian Americans, right? Mm -hmm. If you recall, there were already chapters, independent chapters in New Jersey, New York, Chicago, Southern California, and when these um, two nurses, Narciso and Ferros, were accused mm -hmm. of um, murder way back in the 70s, that's when the outcry from the Filipino community came about, and particularly the nurses, of course. And that's, that's really a, a, a strong alliance that was formed. Five nursing organizations coming together under the umbrella of PNAA. So mm -hmm. history repeats itself, right? Because what drove that passion to advocate for our nurses still continues up to this time, even after 43 years. So that really speaks of how we need to look back at history and continue to uh, make that as our priority even today, because that's really what's happening now. Uh, we see a lot of movement uh, in terms of social justice, of justice, right? Mm -hmm. But that has always been there. So how do we make ourselves more vocal? How do we make ourselves more um, um, collectively having that uh, strong voice, right? 
And um, going back to your question, yes. Um, what would be the future, right, of PNAA? Yes. And um, having uh, these leaders move forward, I think we are a force to be reckoned now uh, because of all the lessons that we have learned, because of all the structures and processes that we have um, made in driving this organization. And I will go back to what Mindy had said before, what is our preferred future, which was actually coined in um, late 2000, I think, or early, or late 1990s between um, the term of, right. I can't remember if it's passing from Pete Calixto going to um, uh, Tita Mila Velasquez, where mm -hmm. what is our preferred future for PNAA? And they always yeah. think about the three Vs, visibility, vitality, and mm -hmm. viability. We have all of those. Uh -huh. We are so visible, not only yeah. here, but globally. People recognize us at the International Council of Nurses. We have presented like over eight presentations uh, last year. Um, we work closely with the Philippine government. I was present uh, in January 27 at the Philippine Senate hearing on addressing the Nurse Practice Act of uh, that the, the Senate is deliberating so we could expand the practice of nursing in the Philippines to be an advanced nurse <laughs> practitioner. Yes. Vitality. Yeah. We are so engaged. Look at the reach of our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and thanks to you, Mani and Mindy, and of course, our producer, Rodney Cahudo, um, organizations reach out to us, right? Because we're so vital as, as, uh, as a, as a um, key partner in all the initiatives that they have. And we are so viable. We have our legacy building now. And uh, I can't wait on what that future would look like in terms of um, um, improving the infrastructure of our legacy building. Okay. Now that we have the archive gallery room showcasing our history, because of course the many grants that we have worked together with the PNAA Foundation. So we have all those three Vs. And I think the key here is to be focused on what that mission and vision is for PNAA. And as long as we are all in alignment and in agreement on what that future would be, we will be here for the century Visibility, vitality, viability. <laughs> Stories of people, achievement, resilience, and kindness. That is all that we have for this episode. I want to thank our guests, Dr. Maria, uh, Mary Joy Garcia Dia, and my co-host, Mindy Ofiana, our director and producer, Radnika Hudo, Carol Robles, PNAA Chair for Communications and Marketing, our advisor, PNAA Foundation President, Nancy Hoff, and our executive producers, PNAA President, Dr. Mary Joy Garcia Dia, and PNAA Executive Director, Carmina Bautista. Join us every Wednesday here on Rise Up. Until then, keep on rising. See you next week.